0: I love legacy season. I love what it represents. I love watching people trust God on higher levels. I love watching people take steps of faith on a sacrificial level, taking maybe a step into uncharted waters of the unknown. And I love watching god show up in an extraordinary way and it it amazes me sometimes when i talk to people how we get surprised when god comes through on his word like when we do something when we offer our praise to god or we offer a gift to god or we or we do something and we believe for something to happen and we do our part And then when God comes through, we're like, Oh my gosh, thank you, God. You're amazing. I didn't know when really this is what God does. God comes through. God makes ways. God is a promise keeper. How many believe that God is a promise keeper? And So we shouldn't be surprised when God comes through, when God is faithful to his word. So I love watching. I love hearing the stories like, I didn't know God was that good. I'm like, you did? Well, now, you know. And he'll do it again and he'll do it again and then he'll do it again. And then he'll do it again because we serve a God of abundance. We don't serve a God who has a limited supply. We serve a God that if you keep asking, he'll keep giving that if you keep crying out to him, pouring out your heart to him, he'll keep pouring back into you. It's the God we serve. So as we approach this season, at the end of the year, and our, our legacy offering that's coming up on December 3rd, I hope that you're coming with a heart that is appreciative for what God has done. That's what we're doing. We're coming with a heart of gratitude, thanking God for how he's brought us through and I can't wait to see what God's gonna do in our lives through this offering. And I wanna remind us today something because it's easy to forget, and that is that we invest in what we value. Why do you spend an entire series talking about an offering? I don't get it. If that's your question today, I would respond to you with, well, why do you pay for a direct TV package for the NFL games? or spend thousands of dollars on a season ticket to watch men run around in spandex on a field that you don't even know, who's done nothing for you, I just don't get it. Now, hear me, I'm not saying those things are bad. What I'm trying to get you to understand, though, is that when you see value in something, you will easily sacrifice for it you will begin to look for ways towards it. Some of you are already preparing to pay for season tickets next year, and you're already figuring out a way to budget for it. Why? Because it has value to you. There's nothing wrong with that. But you invest in what you value because it has worth to you. So I wanna talk from a story today out of Mark chapter 14 where we see an amazing woman who displays and expresses her value of Jesus to Jesus an amazing story a story that honestly for the foreseeable future I will probably talk about every legacy season because it's worth talking about Mark chapter 14 beginning in verse 1 thank you for standing in honor of God's word today It says, now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. Verse 3, while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head some of those present were saying indignantly to one another why this waste of perfume it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly it says and then the words of Jesus he said leave her alone turn to your neighbor say leave me alone Why are you bothering her? Turn to the other neighbor and say, why are you bothering me? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And catch this, the poor you will always have with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could and she poured perfume on my body beforehand. To prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you. Wherever the gospel is preached. Even at Skybreak Church in 2023. Throughout the world. What she has done. Will also be told. In memory of her. So I want to preach to you today. From the title. Breaking moments. Breaking moments moments. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you for your word that we just read. And Lord, I I ask that you would allow us to come today with a, a pure heart and an open heart. I pray today, God, that you would show yourself through this story in a light that maybe we've either forgotten or yet we've not seen. That you would reveal yourself in a way that helps us to see what you've called us to do and how valuable you are to us. God, I ask that the words that I share today would not be my words, but it would be yours. That Holy Spirit, you would speak on my behalf. That they would hear the people, whoever's listening to this, even from the other side of a screen right now, maybe even in another city, another state, or another country, or maybe in prison. God, that you would see us right where we are, that you would speak to us right where we're at and that you would reveal your very nature of a loving God, a God who is a giver who gave his son for us. I pray today that we would experience your goodness and your faithfulness, that we would experience your love and that we would be touched by your presence because in your presence there is fullness of joy So those who come in carrying a heavy burden today, carrying weight on their shoulders that they can't seem to throw off, Lord, we cast our cares, we cast our burdens on you because you care for us. So Lord, we ask that you would do what only you can do today. We thank you that your word is sharper than any double-edged sword. through the misunderstandings cut through any false ideology or theology and let us see who you are and what you want to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said a big amen. Amen. Give someone a hug before you take a seat. Tell somebody you love them because you may not know when it might be your last. That's a sobering thought. This story that we are reading today is recorded in three different accounts of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and John all record this moment, each from their own perspective. And it's amazing to me how this one woman makes the pages of the eternal Word of God. Back then, women were not valued like they are today. They were seen in a different light. So to see the fact that a woman would be so prominent in this passage, is really revealing of the God that we serve. This woman, she she has a breaking moment, and she pours on Jesus something so expensive, so extravagant. The Bible tells us that it was equivalent to a year, and some of them say over a year's wages, according to every account that we read, they all say the exact same thing. You've got to understand, this is not cool water. Davidoff had nothing to do with this. This was pure nard from the Himalayan mountains. This was an expensive perfume. They call it an alabaster box, which meant that you had to break the vase. You had to break the jar and use it all. The only way to open it was to break it. And so we have now this crazy woman who shows up at this party while they're reclining at the table and she starts pouring this costly perfume. And immediately, like without hesitation, without delay, the disciples begin to calculate the cost. Because the truth is our mind always wants to make sense. What we have to understand here in this passage, just a little side note to understand, Jesus, what he's trying to get to in this point when he began to speak to the disciples after they said this word, why this waste, is he's trying to get them to understand their love for money versus their love for him. They were worried about the cost. Jesus was worried about her extravagance. And I have found that Oftentimes, your heart tries to have faith, but your mind tries to make sense. And oftentimes, the two will collide. They will contradict. Some of you are saying, some people may be saying, it doesn't make sense that she's doing this. That's what they were saying in the scripture. It doesn't make sense that she is pouring out this costly, extravagant, expensive perfume of pure nard, But you see, when you decide to have a breaking moment and you give to God on a sacrificial level, when you offer extravagance to Jesus, you will often hear the voice telling you this doesn't make sense. Like if you really give God a good gift, you really sacrifice to God, it will make you throw up a little bit. You will at least feel at least a little bit queasy. You will even second guess it. I'm telling you from my personal experience when Kendall and I every year when we participate in the legacy offering, we believe in the next generation. We believe obviously in the vision that God has given us for our church. When we give above our tithe every year and pour out into this offering to further the vision and to accelerate it. I look at the amount that I put and I have this voice in the background saying that seems like a bit much, don't you think? Like, that doesn't make sense. Why are you doing this? We have to understand that in this passage, we see that this was a year's wages for this woman. A year's wages. Imagine your entire salary of the entire year pouring it out on the feet of Jesus. Do the math. It doesn't make sense. To be honest, there's a lot of things that we do in church that don't make sense to someone who's just a spectator. Why do they lift their hands? What are they reaching for, Karen? Doesn't make sense to some people. But when you maybe have come to a point in your life where you're going through something and the weight of the world is on your shoulders and it feels like it's pulling you down, you will come to a breaking point in your life where you say, God, I surrender it all. Like, God, I I have nothing left within me. I can't do it on my own. God, I pour out my praise to you. And all of a sudden, it makes sense. Surrender makes sense. And surrender only makes sense when you've been through enough. It may not even make sense why you come to church. People will even ask you the question, why do you do that? I don't know, man, like I feel something when I go. The presence of God is there. I love hearing the word of God and it transforms my life. It helps get me ready for my week. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to be a better person in who Christ called me to be. That's why I go to church. Maybe I've been through a whole lot and God's trying to transform me. Maybe I got some junk in my life and I need him to touch me. Maybe there's some things that have happened in my past and I found out that there's a God who loves me, who saved me, who offers me the free gift of salvation and grace. Then when I step into his presence, I can't help but be transformed. Some people, it won't make sense. I've discovered in my own life that it's hard to have faith and make sense. It's a hard thing to do. And these disciples were having a hard time making sense of this woman's extravagance. She was taking it too far. But maybe it's because she had a different appreciation. Maybe, just maybe, we're not crazy to give to God. Just maybe. Maybe there is something that happens When we sacrifice to him, maybe. Like, I want to encourage us that I really want you to be in a state of gratefulness, of appreciation and anticipation as we observe this text and as we prepare over the next couple of weeks. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had a full circle moment in your life? Anybody ever had a full circle moment? Like like when you have a full circle moment, like you don't see that you're in a full circle moment while you're still in it. Like you don't understand it. It's 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 the hindsight. Like after something happens, you're like, oh. Now I see why my parents said that. My parents were right. They weren't stupid. All the parents said, Amen. Look at your kid and say, I told you. My kid in here today? No. I'm about to look at him. It's a full circle moment. We have them in life. And these disciples were having a hard time making sense of this woman's sacrifice because, well, the cross hadn't happened yet. They, they, they didn't see it. Think about it. We have the benefit of the knowledge of what Jesus is about to do. We know. We've read the scripture. We know the end. They don't have the benefit of the knowledge of what is about to happen, we know that it would just be hours from now that Jesus, who would be riding into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey in fulfillment of the prophecy, and the people would lay down palm branches and be crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David, only to prelude, crucify Him, because we see the full circle. And they don't. We know that this woman's, she understood that this was her pivotal opportunity. We know that this was her window to offer something significant for the one whom she considered her Savior. The one whom she considered her everything. But the disciples didn't know it yet. They didn't see it. In fact, it's, it's actually significant that it happened during the Passover feast. The Israelites would have understood this. But you say we don't, we don't celebrate in the same way that they did, because they were brought out of slavery, out of Egypt, and they were celebrating this. They had been brought out of the mighty hand of the Egyptians, and brought out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm of God. And when the plague had came upon Egypt, God instructed the children of Israel to sacrifice a lamb, and to put the blood over their doorposts, And God said, when I see the sacrifice, when I I pass over your house and I see that, I will not visit you with their punishment. Because I will see the sacrifice of the blood over your home. If you've ever had God pass over a punishment that you deserve in your life, then you understand something about the celebration of sacrifice. You will understand it. So they're having this dinner and they, they're having this celebration. But this woman knew that this was her breaking moment. That this was it. They're all reclined at the table. Legs up. Seated in just comfortableness. That's even a word. And they're sitting at this table reclined in relaxation. And then here this woman comes. And what they couldn't seem to understand was that what they couldn't seem to sense was that this whole thing that Jesus is preparing for, all of this is starting to wind down to what he came to do. For three years, he fed the people. For three years, he healed people. They've been there for that. But now this thing is winding down and the hour is approaching where Jesus is going to do the very thing that he was born to do. He was headed to the cross all along, but they couldn't see it. And at this moment, this woman knows not only is this the Passover season, but the Passover lamb is sitting at the table. Jesus was the lamb who was slain from the beginning of the age, from the foundation of the earth, that what the blood on the doorpost signified was now sitting at the table, but they didn't even see it. And she did. If he could come, if he could die for me, the least I could do is break a vase for him, she said. If he could stretch out his arms so wide enough to accept me and to welcome me and to restore me and to love me, it's easy to make sense and realize that in a moment, in a shadow of his sacrifice, it's a privilege for me to give something to him. It's a privilege for me to praise him. It's a privilege for me to pour out my oil onto Jesus. It makes sense for me to have a breaking moment, but it didn't make sense to the disciples. This is a little extreme, don't you think? That was their response. That's the little voice in the back of my head tells me when I write that check. This is a little much, don't you think? This could be a nice family vacation. You could remodel that kitchen you've been wanting to do. You can go buy that car that you've been really wanting to buy. You can begin that hobby that you wanted to begin. You could buy that thing for your kids. You you could do a whole lot with it. Maybe you should just take away a zero or take away a number and does it make sense? It's It's a little extravagant, don't you think? Why this waste? what the enemy wants to make you believe because he comes to steal he comes to kill and he comes to destroy why because he doesn't want you to experience the fullness of God he does he wants you to trust God in other areas just not here This is why scripture talks often, read your Bible, Jesus talked a lot, scripture talks a lot about money. Why? Because it is the controller of your life. You wake up every day not to have a job, but to make money to pay for things. So your life is encompassed by an economy, and Jesus says, you don't, you cannot serve two master's. You can serve God or you can serve money. You pick. These disciples were calculating the cost. Their God was money. Jesus was trying to get them to see who are you going to serve? Is this what you want to put your investment into? Something that will waste away? Something that's just paper? Something that's just a little coin? Or do you want to put it on me? Because the poor you will always have, but you won't always have me. This is what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. And I think about all that stuff because our mind doesn't want to make sense of what's happening. The reality is it doesn't make sense. And it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for the fact that a spotless lamb would give, that God would give his lifeblood for sinners like you and me. That doesn't make sense. When we deserve punishment. When well, we are jacked up, we're messed up, we got some crazy ways of thinking and doing, but yet God sent his son who loved us, who gave his life for us. It doesn't make sense that God would lay on a cross and die for people that will never say, I love you back. It doesn't make sense. What doesn't make sense is that God would freely welcome us into his kingdom. And freely give us all things that doesn't make sense. You see, too often we get comfortable. We get complacent. We lean back at the table like we deserve to be there. And when the opportunity to sacrifice comes along, we scoff at it. Indignantly. Why this waste? But if you really remember what God saved you from, if you really remember what He's brought you through, then it's not a sacrifice. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to have a breaking moment. It then makes sense for me to sacrifice to Him. Because everything I am and everything I have is because of Him. And I I wish we knew more about this woman. I wish we had more of a sense to understand why she did what she did. That's the one thing that I have a problem with, with Mark's reading about this, with Mark's perspective. Mark doesn't tell us who she is. It's not Mark's fault. Mark just doesn't like to give names, I guess. He's not a snitch. The truth is, at the time when it was written, women... The, the, the value of women was not high on them. So, so even to have her being in the room didn't even make sense. You've got to understand the, like, the whole magnitude of what's happening. When, when you see women in the Bible, sometimes you don't even get their name. You don't know who they are. The same thing that happened with poor people. You wouldn't know their name. You would only know them by their condition. So I I, I wish we knew a little bit more about this woman because maybe I think if we knew who she was, maybe if I could understand more of her story, I could understand more of her sacrifice. There must be more to her story. There must be something there. She didn't just wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm gonna go pour this oil on Jesus. Like it didn't just happen, something must have happened for her to bring her to a point. Mark doesn't tell us who she was, but, but wait a minute. Matthew, Mark, and John all record this same account. So hang on. John talks about her. In John chapter 12. Where he gives an understanding. Because maybe if we can understand her experience, we can understand her extravagance. Why, why would, what would bring her to this point where she would want to give a year's wages to Jesus? Let's read John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, okay, whom Jesus raised from that. Okay, I remember Lazarus. Y'all remember Lazarus? Because in John chapter 11, we, we see where he was dead, and now he's not dead, and he's alive. We're in John chapter 12. I don't even have time to preach about Lazarus. I wish I had time to tell you about how Jesus didn't come when they wanted him to come. He waited like four days and he came when he wanted to come. He showed up on his own timing and how sometimes he'll be late on your schedule so he can reveal something about his character to you that you couldn't have known if he had come when you requested him. He couldn't have revealed his power and what you needed to know that you didn't know that you needed to know and how sometimes he will leave you in a situation a little bit longer to make you stay there just for a moment so he can show something to you. I don't even have time to preach about that. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived who Jesus had raised from the dead. Verse two, here a dinner was given in Jesus honor. Okay, Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Okay, I remember her, Martha. Martha was the one who liked to cook for Jesus. Jesus loved people who cooked for them. Jesus would visit people. She cooked the best fried chicken. Jesus showed up, he would come through Bethany and said, Martha, where's the fried chicken? Remember, this is the same story that Mark is telling us in chapter 14. It's the same story I'm reading like the Nathan translation about the fried chicken. John has given us just a little bit different vantage point, a little bit different detail. We know it's at Simon the leper's home, but this family is there with this guy named Lazarus who whom Jesus loved, who was dead and who is now alive. And that was such a miracle that they wanted to do something in honor of Jesus, of what he'd done for them. So they get Simon the leper's home. Simon, who was once a leper, but Jesus touched him and cleansed him. And now he's opened up his home to offer something and cooked a meal for him. Now watch this. Watch this. Are you ready? Watch this. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it out on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Okay, now I get it. This woman wasn't just any woman. It says, verse 3, Then Mary, the one who knelt down at his feet and said, If only you would have been here, Lord, my brother wouldn't have died. Then Mary, the one who watched Jesus say, roll away the stone and say, come out Lazarus. Then Mary, the one who saw her and saw him speak at his word and it came forth. Then Mary, oh, I understand now. It makes more sense because it was Mary. She had a personal experience with the almighty God. Then Mary. When I give, I'm giving from my experience, because God has been there for me. There were times when I thought I wouldn't make it. There were times when I prayed, and I didn't even know if He heard me, and what, but at one word, He spoke, and something changed, and I came out of that grave, one word. You don't mind being extravagant when you've had a personal experience with God. And I'm not just going to experience the celebration and yet resist the opportunity to sacrifice. I'm not going to be, you can recline at the table if you want to, but after what God has done for me, he's been too good for me to just sit back and feel like I'm supposed to be here when it's my opportunity to have a breaking moment. Mary didn't know that over 2000 years later that we would be preaching about her. But she sensed that this was her opportunity. Like this was her moment. This was her breaking moment. To show and to pour out her oil and her perfume on the one whom done, who had done something for her that was beyond anything she could have prayed for. She filled the room with an aroma. She was willing to be misunderstood she heard the instruction she knew this was my moment everybody at the table had tasted his goodness but she made a decision to make a sacrifice while they reclined so my question to you today was is when was the last time you've broken a vase for God Some of us maybe have never made a sacrificial gift and we we don't do it because we're scared. But we serve a God who always comes through. We serve a God who always makes a way. Because here's the thing, if I really believe in resurrection, if I really believe that what goes into the ground doesn't stay there when it's planted in the soil of faith, if I really believe in what Jesus did on that cross and in that grave, if I really believe that generosity is a privilege, if I really believe that Jesus' words have said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, if I've really had an experience, then why wouldn't I break a basement? Why? Like, the, do you realize that you're sitting you and I both are sitting in someone else's breaking moment. And because they thought you were worth it, it didn't make sense at the moment, but yet it made sense to give a sacrifice because they, they may never meet you. There's some that have already passed on. They're already in in another world right now. They've passed on from this life and they're waiting to enter into the the kingdom of God. But they gave when it didn't make sense. And they didn't even know your name. They don't even know your family. They may have never met you. They may have never had the benefit of the knowledge to know you were going to be here. But they sensed that this was their moment. And they thought you were worth it. There was tremendous value on you we get to sit in this space today celebrating almost 10 years being in this building but i remember as a child sitting in that chapel that's on the south part of this property where there was 30 40 people in the room and me running up on stage while my dad was preaching getting behind his legs like this and him having to say can somebody please come get my son we didn't have children's ministry at that time and nana jew jerked my neck pulled me all the way back to the back aisle I had people reaching out in the aisle but they thought you were worth it they thought I was worth it they didn't know and I didn't know that that snotty nosed little kid that was running on stage would one day be standing on the stage pouring out the very same thing that he once was poured into they didn't know that I didn't know that they sensed it was their moment. They sensed it was sacrifice. We as Christians have it easy. We like to sit and recline at a table when Jesus is trying to get us to understand something. We have the the, the we have the menti- oh this is some we have the mentality of entitlement to the blessing of God, and although we serve a God who gives blessings freely. Like, the, the deal is you cannot have, this is the thing. When you become to expect it from a place of entitlement, not a place of gratefulness, it's no longer a blessing, it is an obligation. I, if I, every time we go out to dinner, buy you dinner, and then it, and every time for the first few times, it is a blessing to you. You're like, oh, wow, thank you, no, let me, th-. no, I was like, I got it, I'm good, I'm blessed to be a blessing. But the next time we go and you don't reach for your wallet we ain't going to dinner next time why because now it's an expectation and no longer is it a blessing it is an obligation i ain't taking you to dinner no more better reach for your wallet i was still going to pay for it why because god's called me to be generous he's called me to be a giver i don't mind taking you out to dinner but don't expect it But how many times do we sit and recline at the table and say yeah jesus pick up the tab on you when it's my moment he he doesn't want you to pay for it he already paid for it but just reach for you just got to reach for it like no i want to show you my gratitude so now when i go to dinner i'll walk to the waiter and go pay the bill before it even comes to the table because i want i want what god's got for me and i'm like i'm gonna take my blessing and i'm gonna take it and you ain't gonna get it i'm gonna pay for your own meal because i know if i'm generous then god's gonna bless me and i'm praying ten a hundredfold some of y'all are like, where are you going to lunch? I ain't telling you. Home. Cause I'm going to budget. I'm going to save my money.
1: Cook my own chicken.
0: Not fried, though, because I'm on keto. I'm trying to cut the carbs. I'll put almond flour on it. Lord, help me. i got to get my sermon done. The question, though, is do you believe that those who will come after you are worth it as well? Do you believe that they're worth it to him? Are your kids worth it? Are your grandkids worth it? We we must understand that they were sitting and with their sacrifice at the table and this woman knew that this was her moment. And I will tell you that when you hear the voice of God, you can either have faith Or you can make sense. If I put this perfume on myself, it will fade away. But if I put it on Jesus, it will not be taken away. So the question is, what will you do when you have an opportunity to offer a sacrifice to the one who sacrificed everything for us? In a couple of weeks, we have an opportunity. An opportunity to show appreciation. An opportunity to anticipate what he's going to do an opportunity to break a vase to have a breaking moment to pour out a sacrifice who knows what will happen when we give who knows the miracles that will begin to unfold who knows what god will do with one act of obedience who knows what will happen when we step out in faith who knows the lives that are going to surrender to jesus on this side and the other side of sacrifice who knows Why is this so important? You may still be battling with this question. Why is it so important? Because there are people that are still going to hell. There are people that still need Jesus and we have a job to do. It is our responsibility to pour out, to go make disciples of all nations and to preach the gospel and that wherever the gospel is preached, that this story of this woman would be told. Why would Jesus say that? Because we have to understand sacrifice. Because when you don't have a sense of sacrifice, you won't appreciate what Jesus did for you. You'll feel like you were entitled to it. God, I pray that you'll do something significant in our life. God, I pray that we would walk around with not a sense of reclining at the table like we deserve to be here. God, that we would walk with the sense this is our moment to break a vase for you, something that doesn't seem like it makes sense. But God, you called me at this church, for this time, with my kids in this city, in this era, and God, I will not recline at the table and expect and fill a place of comfortableness to just sit there like I deserve to be there and scoff at the opportunity to sacrifice. God, I want to be able to stand and sit down at your feet and pour out a vase on your head of oil and a costly extravagance because you are worthy of it. Because you have value to me. And what you will do I don't know, but it's not my place to control the seed and what it does. It is my place, though, to plant it and let you do your miracle working power. God, you gave everything so I could be here today. That when the enemy has tried to come, kill, steal, and destroy my life, your word says that you came that I may have life and have it to the full came to give it to me, not to take it away. Thank you, Jesus. We have a sense of gratitude. We have a sense of thankfulness. every eye still closed, every head still bowed, I wonder, in this moment, in a room like today and across this stream right now, wherever you may be watching this, how many of you even in here or under the sound of my voice need to accept Jesus today? The Passover lamb, the lamb who was slain, the foundation of the earth who gave his blood to pay the debt that both you and I deserved. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. And Jesus paid the debt by giving up his life so that way I could have one. And by giving up his life and paying for the sin and atoning for what I deserved, he now... When I stand before God the Father, and I know and I've accepted Jesus, when I stand before him, his blood will cover me, which will be saying, Jesus standing in front of us saying, God, they've accepted me, I've got them covered. And God will say, welcome, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. In layman's terms, that is saying welcome, to heaven welcome to the eternity that your life has been preparing for and maybe you don't know Jesus today maybe you've never accepted him maybe maybe you have and you've come back to church because you sense that that there's got to be more to life that this is what God has come to offer you is, is life and you've tried it on your own and you've found yourself in a dark hole and you don't know how to get out Jesus is the only way That Jesus said that he will make all things new in your life. Now when we accept Jesus into our life, it is an instant salvation. That is instant, that is free. You can't deserve, you don't deserve it, you cannot earn it, you can't work to get it. Good works don't get you into heaven. Only by accepting Jesus. He even said at the last supper, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. He is it. No one gets to the Father except through Jesus. So maybe you're in this atmosphere, in this moment today, and maybe this is your moment. To say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I need you to lead me. If you've got a life that I can only imagine, a life of purpose, a life of peace, a life where there is strength that I didn't know I had, I want it life that you came to bring, I want it. Whether for the first time or maybe a rededication today, if you say, I need Jesus, with every eye closed, every head bowed across this space today, if that's you, and I count down from three, I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I want Jesus in my life. I want him to make all things new. I want to accept him as Lord and Savior. If that's you today, three, two, one, just lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. Thank you, Jesus. Lift him high. Say, I need Jesus in my life. I want to accept him as Lord and Savior. Jesus, I need you. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I don't want to do it on my own. Jesus, you came and died for me. Thank you, Jesus. Down. I want to pray this prayer out loud. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 9 that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Christ from the dead, it says, You will be saved. Another scripture says that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want us to pray that prayer today. We're going to call upon the name of the Lord. We're going to confess this today with every every mouth moving today, every mouth where your ears can hear you. Say this together. Say, dear Jesus come into my life help me to live a new life in you I put back my old ways and I receive your free gift of salvation a new life a new day a new hope forgive me of all my sin and help me to walk in the light of life in your word and in your truth I surrender my life to you today. I make you Lord of my life, and I receive your salvation. It's by grace that I am saved, in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said a big amen, 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 come on church. Let's celebrate with every single person that received Jesus today, amen, 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 amen.